Someone who has experienced covert narcissistic abuse is like a grenade inside a tank. On the inside, you are wound up so incredibly tight. You're overthinking everything, overanalyzing everything, just waiting to explode, knowing that day is coming when that trigger will go and you will explode. And on the outside, you are a fortress of steel. You have a wall of protection around you that is so strong. You are afraid to say anything because you're always going to say the wrong thing or be told you do. You're afraid to do anything. You trust no one and you let no one in. This is a grenade inside a tank. I'm Renee Swanson, your host and creator of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Today, I am talking directly to anyone who is or has ever been a victim of covert narcissistic abuse. I know your pain firsthand. I have been there and I want to help. If you have suffered covert narcissistic abuse, it is so incredibly likely that your mind is going a million miles per hour. You are overthinking and overanalyzing everything. Let me explain what I mean. Your mind is going, well, should I say it this way or should I say it that way? What if I phrase it like this? Will he understand if I say it like that? What if, uh, you know, will he react if I say it this way? Should I tell him this or should I keep it to myself? What if I, what if I leave him a note? What if I do, what if, what if, what if, what if? Before conversations ever happen, you approach the topic from a thousand different angles inside your own mind. Each time you are trying to anticipate his reaction and any issues that might come, your mind comes up with a way to say whatever it is you are wanting to say. Then your mind plays out this expected reaction. You feel that reaction as though it's already happened and your mind explores the next possible way to say it. And this goes on and on and on. You know, you might have a hundred different ways you have played a conversation out before the conversation ever even happens. And actually, you are defending yourself before you have even spoken the first word. You know, in your mind, you haven't even ever said a word to him, and yet you're already on the defense. You're already going, but I'm going to have to, you know, but he's going to say this, and then I'm going to have to explain. And, and rightly so, you have been taught that you will have to defend every word that ever comes out of your mouth. Well, how about what happens after the conversation? You know, and then you have the conversation and then afterwards your mind replays everything again over and over. I should have said it this way. I should have said it that way. Or, you know, why does he think this? Or why did he say that? What did he mean? Do I really do what he's saying I do? Is this my fault? On and on and on. And, and then you go, you know, maybe he would understand if I would say it differently. What if I do do this? What if I say it that way? So maybe it is my job. Maybe it is my responsibility. Your mind will come up with a thousand arguments. Most of them will never, ever be voiced. They just keep winding up tighter and tighter inside of you. Some of the best closing arguments that I've ever known remained known only to me. Why? because it simply wasn't worth the risk of opening the conversation back up again. It was already bad enough the first time, and to bring it back up again, I always knew it was just going to be another disaster. So let it go. But my mind didn't let it go. Your mind will continue defending you. Your mind will continue trying to find that right answer, trying to find a solution, and trying to protect you. 
You know, I would think, well, maybe I'll say it next time. When this happens again, I will remember this and I'll say it this way or that way because you always know it's going to happen again. When you're with a covert narcissist, you know that these conversations and these events are going to happen again. You can be sure of that. There's a lot of things you cannot be sure of, but you can be sure that this will happen again. So overthinking and overanalyzing, these are survival skills. A victim of a covert narcissist does these things to survive. We are doing it and we don't even realize it. My brain was working overtime and I had no idea. I spent hours of every single day thinking, analyzing, anticipating, correcting, arguing, etc. And I had no idea how much mental energy I was exerting until I got out. When I got out of the relationship, and actually it was before the divorce, it was, it was when mentally I finally left the relationship and allowed myself to have some space to take care of me. That's when I realized it. It was one day and it, it, that it was simply all of a sudden I saw it. All of a sudden I went, whoa, why am I spending all this mental energy on this? Why am I overworking my brain so hard. And I realized how tired I was of it. I realized also that this was not okay. These are survival methods, but they had become a way of existing for me. And I was not okay with that. Now let's, that's the, that's the grenade part. Now, what about the tank? You know, the title of this episode is a grenade inside a tank. So the grenade is your mind going round and round and round and winding tighter and tighter and tighter. But, but the tank You know, what about that tank? Victims of covert narcissistic abuse build a wall around themselves to protect themselves from their abuser. I did, and many, many victims do. We close up, we turn off, especially to that person, but it affects our relationships with everyone else. You know, you've heard this phrase of gray rock. I don't know if you know what it is. Gray rock is when you become as boring as you possibly can to this person, your abuser. You show no emotions, no reactions, no care. You become boring, dull, empty, emotionless. You know, picture a a boring gray rock, the the kind you see all the time and and you totally ignore them. It's cold and it's hard. Well, this is a form of self-protection. I became that because anytime I I reacted to him or, or tried to engage in the conversation even, everything exploded on me. And so I just became like a gray rock. If I became boring to him and if I became, you know, shut off to him, then everything at least could stay on this neutral zone. And so it was self-protection. I was doing it for years before I ever even heard the phrase. But here's the catch. The gray rock, you know, it's, it's boring and dull to that person, to that abuser, but then we become that to other people too. And especially if we try to build future relationships, this affects our future relationships. You know, the, the inside of that victim, while we're trying to be boring and dull on the outside, we've already discussed the grenade that's going on on the inside. Your mind is going a million miles an hour and on the outside you are trying to contain that. So this cold, hard victim is not really like a gray rock, but more like the hard shell of a tank. There's all this stuff going on inside. A grenade is going off inside, but I can't be open with him. I can't tell him how I feel. If I say it this way, he'll react. If I say it that way, it just isn't worth it. So the overthinking continues because, because you got to have somewhere for this energy to go, this mental energy. And, and yet you can't because you got to keep that shell on you. Your mind needs a break. 
you know, building that wall around you will give you some space because it allows you to quit having the explosions with your abuser. Keeping your mouth shut becomes a safe zone. I do not blame any victim for having these natural reactions to the constant abuse. It is not your fault that your mind is going a million miles an hour. It is not your fault that you don't feel safe being open and, and trusting other people. That's not your fault. These are survival skills. It starts as a wall between you and your abuser. It's a mode of self-protection, but it becomes a way of life. It's a problem when the survival skills become a way of life. We struggle because we carry this on with us even after the relationship has ended. You know, you leave the relationship, but your mind is still overthinking. Your mind is still overthinking that relationship. And then as you come into a new relationship, your mind is still has that habit of overthinking. This is the way you've been. It's the way you still are. And it's the way you carry forward into new relationships. You're still finding a hundred different ways to say something to someone before you ever talk to them. You are still anticipating their reactions and defending yourself before you ever even say a word. You know, what I mean by that is if, if you need the other person, you know, you're asking them to move their car, whatever they're, you're trying to get them to move their car. Simple, um, a simple example. And in your mind though, you're going, what can I, can I ask him to move his car? What if he gets mad? And maybe I should say, Hey, I, I know this is me being, you know, my, my fault. And I want you to move your car. So you're already defending yourself before you ever even just say, Hey, can you move your car? And, and this happens over and over and over. You anticipate their reactions, but that's not a healthy way to build relationships. You can't build healthy relationships from this. So instead of just being able to simply say, hey, I need to rest tonight, it's another example. Your mind is defending you, yourself by saying, I deserve to have a night off. You know, I've worked 50 hours this week. I took care of the kids. I had to clean the house up. I haven't felt good. You're defending all of this when you could just say, hey, I need to rest tonight. I need to not go do anything. But we feel like we have to defend ourselves for something as simple as taking a little time. And, and this is a result of the survival skills that you've built in a toxic relationship. Well, here's what I encourage you to do. Become aware of these survival skills. Upon leaving that relationship with a covert narcissist, you need to take a deep, deep look inside yourself. Do not blame yourself. Do not judge yourself. Do not accuse yourself. Just look. Look at the way you're spending your mental energy. Look at the constant overthinking. It's there but it is a sure way to ruin any chance of a future healthy relationship. That constant overthinking will drive your partner crazy. It will make them feel like they have to watch every move or every word. It will put them on the defense, which is not what you want to do. It will cause them to become defensive over normal life things and even cause them maybe to even overreact to some stuff. Not to mention how it will continue to affect you. It continues to burn your precious mental energy, winding you up like a grenade ready to explode. That need to overthink will draw you to partners that feed this need. That's another piece you've got to consider. So before you jump back into another relationship, please take some time to look at how you're spending your mental energy. Look at the habits that you have built from the abuse and start trying to break those habits apart. Start teaching your mind to quit playing through everything a thousand times, to quit anticipating everything a thousand times. You know, there's lots of ways you can do this. One of the best ways I have ever found is to journal. Journal, write down all of those things that happen with that abusive partner. 
Write them down. Make notes. Talk them into a tape recorder. Whatever you have to do. Get them out of your head so that you give your mind permission to quit overthinking and analyzing all of that. The other one being that we're building walls around ourselves. If you are building a wall around yourself, this will also lead you to relationships that are a struggle. It will lead to relationships that are shallow and based on fear and distrust. It will cause your partner to doubt the relationship. They'll feel on edge. They may not even know why. And it will draw you to partners that give you reasons to distrust them over and over and over. I say all of this to say, please take some time after a relationship with a covert narcissist to become aware of your survival skills. Living through survival skills is not a healthy way to live. You know, think about it. If your survival skills are things like knowing how to build a fire so that you can stay warm and you can cook food. Well, I understand that need. It would be good for us to know how to build a fire out in the wild. If we ever ended up trapped, you know, or we've gone hiking and we got lost, you need to know how to build a fire. But you don't need it for daily life. You don't need to start a fire in your house to stay warm. That would be a problem. You don't need to start a fire in your house to cook over. That would be a problem. So survival skills are good skills to have, but you don't need to live them on a daily basis. So recognize it as a mode of survival, not a mode of living. And as you become more and more aware of this, you will begin to distinguish between the survival skills and fully living. You will become more and more in charge of your own life. I encourage you to take that step. I encourage you on this journey. And thank you for joining me today. And I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.